Oh, Faye. Just so you know. Okay. A Gravity Boys finally used the gender potion. Chiaki, <laughs> have you still been and reading was... Gravity Boys? Oh my god. Okay. I read 43 <laughs> chapters of A Gravity Boys. Oh my god. And it sucks! <laughs> I could have told you that for like 20. <laughs> My name is Peter Phobian. I'm a producer at Crunchyroll and editor at Anime Feminist, uh, second time hosting the weekly Shonen Jump podcast. I am joined by Chiaki and Faye, if you two would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Chiaki, one of the editors for NFM. You can find me at at Chiaki747 or at Animated Empress on Twitter. Uh, One's private, one's my anime shitpost account. Have fun. Hi. Okay, I'm Faye Hopper. Uh, I'm a freelance writer, just sort of in places around the internet. Um, you've probably seen me over at Anime News Network writing reviews. Uh, and yeah, if you want to find me after this podcast, you will be able to find me at my Patreon. So. Okay. All right, and we're returning to uh, weekly Shonen Jump. We previously did uh, one of these podcasts back in uh, who knows a thousand years ago, um, February or March, I think. So a thousand years ago. Um, where we covered most of the manga that hadn't got anime adaptations yet. Shonen Jump has been releasing a ton of new manga since then, so we figured we'd touch back on what new or uh, good and not good stuff is in Shonen Jump. Once again, a refresher, and if you're wondering why we're doing this, uh, Shonen Jump is uh, probably the most popular comic property in the world. Uh, First point of contact for many anime and manga fans uh, in the West, uh, and at least one-third of its readership is uh, female, so feels like a good opportunity to offer warnings or notify people of uh, maybe surprisingly good things that are in the magazine. Uh, And last time we did this, I believe Maury King had just released, it was one to three chapters in. We might have mentioned it, but we didn't want to go over it since we have like a 10 chapter rule for this podcast, uh, which I guess is now official since we've had a second podcast. Uh, So that's what we'll be talking about first. Um, It was released in April 2020. The mangaka is Tomohiro Hasegawa, former assistant of Naoshi Komi, the creator of Nisekoi. And uh, Hasegawa previously authored a gag manga, Seishun Heiki No. 1, or Youth Weapon No. 1, uh, which I had not read. The premise is it's about high school girl Shoko's younger brother, Shoto, getting a rhinoceros beetle larva, saying he will race it to be the king of the forest, Mori King. Then when it hatches, it turns into a beautiful young man who... It turns out is actually trying to do that, and there are several insects out there who are all vying for, I guess, to be insect king of the world, something like that. And then they do lots of gags. How is everybody feeling about this manga now? Uh, I read 11 chapters of this damn thing, and I have, like, literally nothing to say about it. It is so massively insubstantial in almost every way. We're going to be talking about a lot of awful gag manga on this podcast, but, like, I do not... Even those, even the worst, I got a couple chuckles out of. I'm ashamed of it, but I did. I never once had anything but like a stone, a stony expression on my face as I was reading this manga. <laughs> you mean, you mean Kokurochi wasn't even doing it for you? Uh, no, no, I'm afraid not. I'm Dang. afraid not. That was like, no. the, that was my one joke that I kind of chuckled at. Yeah. And then I moved on. I was, uh, I actually, now that you bring that up, I had forgotten about this. Did they make kind of make a joke that the girl was afraid she was uh, like a Shotokan when he was 
introduced. Yeah, it was it was vaguely like that. And again, the second chapter has a lot of like the father thinking they're dating and sort of being very invasive about that or whatever, thinking Mori King and uh, Shoko are dating or whatever. Most of that goes away later on. And also like, I don't know, it's it's how do I even describe this? It's like a weird half measure between a typical battle royale shonen thing where every one of the insects is vying for dominance to be king of the world or all insects or whatever mixed with like stakesless repetitive gag manga that has one joke for every character which is uh, in shoko's case uh she doesn't like mori king very much and in shoto's case he he adores mori king uh and would do anything to be by him or whatever right you know and that that's it. All the characters are extremely one note like this, which is, again, not the worst thing in a gag manga, but for this, like, those aren't even funny gimmicks. It, it's yeah. like someone dislikes him and someone likes him. Those are not funny gimmicks. And it's it's like this for the rest of the cast, too. I, I felt like it was maybe going somewhere when it kind of I, I don't want like the, the the burden of character development to be on Shoko, but I thought it was kind of like the, the moments where she was kind of learning how Mori King actually positively contributed to her household and then like kind of building positive relationships with I don't remember the praying mantis girl's name. I think uh, I thought was I yeah, believe kinda Oda. nice. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was gonna go anywhere. And yeah, again, like it just it, it has to go back to the premise where he's I think the problem is like Maury King's just not funny. The character, no, like he just he never does anything funny. He's it's like it's supposed to be like a surrealist comedy, uh, I guess, and he just doesn't ever. I don't know. It's like maybe the character's too familiar. He's he's just a sight gag. That's the thing. Yeah. Like yeah. you're supposed to laugh at his presence, uh, the surreality of everything that he does. Yeah, and with his except stupid, it's like, just like beetle top thing, right? You know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, later on, you know, even how he, you know, well, even from the get-go, how he dresses or doesn't dress is just the key to why he's an absurd character. It gets old hat really, really fast. There's another thing. He He's a good boy. He's a very, very good boy. You know, he doesn't really have any moral wrinkles or anything, apart from occasionally, like, not knowing human customs and making mistakes. He he does his best to help people in that classic shonen sort of way. And again, that's yeah. just... If the intention is for that to be sort of like a mock-up of shonen convention where like you have the shonen hero trying to help the weak, but also like the ways he helps the weak are utterly ridiculous and surreal, it just doesn't scan like at all. At all. I don't mm -hmm. think. Again, it's this weird half measure between absurdist comedy and shonen convention that never really leverages the benefits of either approach, in my opinion. We've all kind of come down on it, but I think so far its greatest crime has been being boring. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's just like none of us personally liked it, but has it fucked up at all? Or is there any, any like warnings you'd want to give people, I guess? In my show notes here, I just wrote totally inoffensive. Yeah. Nothing matters. This is a gag manga. Okay. And that's how I summed it up. I mean, that's pretty good for a gag manga and Shonen Jump, actually. It is. We'll probably <laughs> yeah. We're talking about later, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sorry if I sounded a little harsh talking about it. It's fine. It's just boring, and I don't particularly know what to say about it. So, yeah. yeah. We read a lot of bad manga, and we got a vent. And Mori King was, like, the first, the first, like, you know, if you want to get those, you want to vent right away, uh, that was the first chronologically. So, apologies to Mori King. Yeah, it's it's the warm-up to the workout where we're just hitting the punching bag over and over again, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Those of you who um, might not be aware, I have been yelling at Peter on Twitter and in Slack 
uh, constantly over how much I hate reading some of these things. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, oh, and okay. I, I empathize with you. Apologies. I was not in communication uh, with y'all up to the recording, but also, yeah, that's similar to my experience reading some of these things. So, yeah. <laughs> just, just silently cursing me. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, all right, with that, uh, we'll move on to Bone Collection, uh, which started up in April and it was canceled effective August. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll get into why. Uh, the mangaka is June. I hope I can say this. Kiyotazaka, who. I can't find any info on. This might be their debut. It's about a world besieged by interdimensional yokai. Kazami Janai is a descendant of a famous exorcist family, but he's actually really bad at it and only has one spell. A girl falls through a yokai gate near him one day, kind of like in Twin Star Exorcist, and demands that he take her on a bunch of date-like activities. They're attacked by a yokai, and he's mortally wounded. But then he discovers that the girl is actually a yokai and borrows her power. His one, his one power is borrowing yokai power. Uh, creating a bone sword to defeat the yokai. Turns out that the girl is a Gasha Dokoro, which is a giant skeleton uh, type thing. I think made up of a bunch of small, they're like a bone king, uh, who goes by Pyra. And the premise is basically she wants him to keep using her bones to defeat yokai so that once he's used all of her bones, she'll turn into a human because she really wants to be human. Uh, and I know Chiaki has a lot to say about this one. I mean, okay, like the... The central premise for this story is trying to disempower Pyra, right? Like, the whole point of this this story is Pyra doesn't want to be powerful. Pyra wants to just get married. It's such a frustrating premise to go from. And, it, you know, I was, I was not impressed with it. It's just a little... It's, it's just horny at the, from the get-go. Um, and then you get to the end because it got canned real quick and it got really good only because I think the author did not take it well that he was canceled and just decided to go screw it. I, I slightly agree with that assessment. I think this manga sucks top to bottom personally. I think, I think, uh, in terms of where the ending goes, it's very much, uh, so the way the exorcism system sort of works is that all yokai are bad and evil for the most part and need to be exercised. And if they're not exercised, it's a crime. And uh, what's the spell he uses to sort of channel yokai's powers? That's like illegal or something, right? The name you know? of the spell? The yokai spell? Yeah. Yeah, the yokai spell. Literally oh, the yeah, yokai that's spell. That's what it's called. I was like, how the fuck am I supposed to remember that? Yeah. <laughs> And then at the end, it turns around to be like, oh, hey, uh, they fight they fight the big bad, and then they sort of realize, okay, now it's time to open up uh, human-yokai relations and stop, like, discrimination and make it so a bold new society prospers from this. And it's like, you didn't do anything to earn this. You didn't do anything to earn no. this, like, at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> you had to wrap it up. That big hook cane was coming from stage left. He had to figure something out. <laughs> And again, as I mean, that, I, it I was that. so abrupt. That's why I love it. <laughs> In abstract, like, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that being the theme. But the problem is that's not what most of this manga is. It's, as you said, shitty comedy about fan service and gender roles. Like, really, mm. you are absolutely right in your estimation of that this manga is about uh, an ultra-powerful woman who wants to rescind her power and just get hitched because that's all women want right you know get hitched that's all they want it's frustrating and it's even more frustrating because it is not funny at all like no joke lands and i will also say i have not seen read or seen anything which had the uh generic anime nosebleed gag in a while and the generic anime oh, nosebleed gag happens like 
every chapter without fail. It's like carbon dating the author when you see that joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think we've pretty much said everything that needs to be said about Bone Collection. Okay, next one I think is going to be maybe the most interesting manga that we discussed, period. Uh, it's Time Paradox Ghost Rider, which started up in May and canceled in August of this year. The writer's Kenji Ichima. The artist is uh, Tsunihiro Date. It's about Tepe Sasaki, an aspiring mangaka who wants to get a series in Weekly Shonen Jump. He won the Rookie Award, uh, but he is now almost 25 and has yet to get a one-shot in the manga. Um, until a lightning bolt strikes his house, melts his fridge, microwave, and toy robot together, and they begin spinning out copies of Shonen Jump from 10 years in the future. He's blown away by the premiere chapter of a series titled White Knight by one Itsuko Aino before the volume vanishes. Uh, he isn't sure if he dreamed the whole thing, and he thinks that White Knight was really good, so he just decides to make the manga. Uh, it is accepted. Uh, becomes I think it becomes number one in its first week, and then he encounters a 17-year-old aspiring mangaka, Itsuki Aino. Uh, he discovers that it is not an original work, and he didn't dream it up. It was canceled in August, and uh, that came on the tail end of Kenji Chima. Had, uh, I think he disabled his social media due to negative comments about the portrayal of plagiarism in the series. Uh, so this is a hairy one. So I'm just, I, this might be a controversial statement given that fact of the manga's development, but uh, I kind of love this. I kind of really, really love this in a way I was not expecting to. Mm -hmm. um, and I can get into that later, but like, I think it navigates a lot of the thornier aspects of its premise, like the plagiarism aspect and even the, this is a manga about saving, this is basically a manga, if you, if you take it in its basis plot levels, this is basically a manga about saving a woman from herself, which again, like, that can play into some misogynistic stereotypes, but I think it's navigated really, really intelligently in most cases, in all those cases. And I can get into why later, but I'm curious what Chiaki thinks and you think, Peter. So, I personally didn't really like it as much, um, primarily because I feel it was framing the story in such a way that uh, Tepe is constantly doubling down on uh, plagiarism and I wasn't particularly finding him a good character. I don't want to root him on, uh, especially if it's just like, oh, but he's doing it so that he can save a girl. It's like, so your your whole point of trying to save save someone is to plagiarize her work. That makes no sense. I felt like there was some potential for the story to go somewhere a little bit better. Um, I saw. I I know they totally dropped it because the um story ended so quickly but i figured you know in my head there they had a much bigger paradox um story brewing in the back somewhere uh, i just wish they got to it a little sooner or because you know the series was canned well before that really bore fruit yeah I think the the premise was super fascinating. I think even though the initial plagiarism part was well-written, like if the exact same thing had happened to me, I probably would have also copied White Knight because like dude was desperate and he literally thought he dreamed the whole thing up. So it's like, man, did, am I a genius? And I came up with a really good manga premise in this really stupid dream. Line. I would point out he spins the whole, about two chapters agonizing over the ethics of plagiarism and even literally tries to say, hey, this isn't my work. I can't publish this manga only for the editorial staff to literally egg him on. Refuse that, basically. To literally refuse that as an option, I think. Yeah, yeah. Imagine there was a lot of social pressure at work there. And I mean, I think the, the manga would have been cool if he was like caught in this situation where he had to continue plagiarizing. I just think the later framing kind of harmed that, right? I, I agree. Mm -hmm. And I will say uh, a couple other points. This manga, it's explicitly framed. One, 
it would be different if for me if the original author didn't know about what was happening mm-hmm. and that there's a potential squickiness to her giving her blessing in spite of the ethical dubiousness of what's ultimately happening but also like you know she as a result of this she ends up she ends up you know giving up on white knight and ends up creating her own amazing work uh alongside him towards the end which plays into another theme of the manga i find really resonant but like again she's her own person her own agent in all of these things making her own decisions about what's happening and also again part of the big theme is that it's not just he's plagiarizing white knight in story terms but also a big thing a big character moment for him is he has to make white knight his own thing he can't just be rotely copying uh what the original author made he has to make it his own thing expressed his own way or else it won't be resonant at all it will just be a shallow copy and while i agree again that is potentially sketchy even that is potentially sketchy and can't and I, I agree with Uchiaki in the sense that like i think there i think there's a certain regard in which this premise is just utterly unsalvageable you know i agree i do agree with that on a certain level but at the same time like i don't know i felt like it was navigated in in such an intelligent way that i thought the ethics of plagiarism were navigated to my satisfaction i felt so yeah mm-hmm. I, I feel like, again, the setup was really good, and I, I think I was really hoping the manga would be some sort of, like, psychological thriller. Uh, if it had been about him, like, having to spend a lot of time trying to, like, just him desperately trying to dig himself out of a hole that he had gotten himself into, I think it would have, he would have been more sympathetic, because he did unintentionally plagiarize in the first place, and now it's, and but now, like, ever all the forces of the universe are trying to get him to continue making this manga, so yeah, if it's just him, like, you know, uh, suffering and trying to figure out how he can stop being a plagiarist and, like, get his own work in there, something like that, it would have been better. And I, I also think the moment that Itika was introduced and didn't, I, I think it was really leading up to an interesting kind of dynamic where she might have questioned whether or not he was a plagiarist or whether she's, I don't know if it would have been good if she was questioning whether she's crazy the whole time, but uh, I, I think it kind of like let him off the hook really fast. Uh, and and once it became about saving her, it just kind of became like Steinsgate all over again, where it's like all these forces that are violating the laws of time and space are just doing it to save one single girl. Uh, and it's like, why? Like, well, why is this happening? Two things. I okay. The time travel stuff is not the reason I like this manga. Not okay. at all. Like I, I, in fact, like the, it's as usual. I think Time Paradox Ghost Rider handles the abrupt cancellation thing better than say, um, Bone Collection did, though that's not a high watermark. Yeah. Uh, but like at the same time, <laughs> literally, literally, the author inserts themselves, uh, the writer inserts themselves in the story in order to say, "Hey, I'm gonna stop time so you can, you know, solve the problems." You know, and it's very clear the last three chapters are an extremely rushed sort of like means of just ending this as quickly as possible. But I, two things. I think this manga is about two main things. One, it's about learning how to achieve your dreams without killing yourself. And it's about two, finding joy in making art because someone out there will always love your art, even if it's not everyone in the world. And I think these are both fairly mature conceits, especially in the context of a jump board culture, which not ju- which basically valorizes killing yourself for your art spending no time on anything but making manga and i think to have something like this come out in the exact magazine which is kind of the um ultimate symbol for horrible working conditions in manga and to say hey there's a life outside of this there's a life outside you are not you are not making anyone happier by working yourself to death by making manga even if the manga is good 
you are destroying your life mm-hmm. and not living up to your full potential. And I do. I, I think there's an interesting criticism to be had where, again, how come the man does it? How come the man basically kills himself in order to save a person, but the woman is the one being saved from overwork, right? I, I feel like there's an imbalance there. But at the same time, I think this is a really interesting point to make in the context of, again, this magazine. And again, I just really like the latter thing, too, where it's just like, it's a very sort of nuanced statement on, okay, you're never going to make a manga that pleases everyone. But at the same time, if someone likes your manga, if someone likes it, even if it's just your family or your friends, that's enough. It's about it's about what it means to have personal satisfaction from the things you make. And I found that really sweet and really touching, personally. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wonder if anyone found it ironic that Time Paradox Ghostwriter just emphasizes constantly that Jump is only capable of publishing the most original and funny ideas ever conceived. <laughs> like, Tepe is constantly told that his stuff is too generic, too bland. And we read how many Ghostbuster manga this for this uh, oh God, yeah. podcast? I, I will say, I, I think there's an interesting point, but also, like, again, it, it is kind of making a statement on what the editorial culture is like there when the first editor mm-hmm. he tries to get through in order to get his manga published in Jump is verbally abusive to him and his work you know like Mm -hmm. and again out of out of the basis you said which is lack of (laughs) origin i mean um sorry peter i was about to diss black clover and i'm not going to do that in front of you Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, but like uh you know i i i agree with you but also i think it was making gestures towards this broader work culture toxicity that was something that i found really um striking Mm mm-hmm Right, uh, anything else you want to go with, uh, Chuck, or should we move on? I'm good. Okay. I do want to leave it off with the note that it, it is hard to tell like when they get the note as to when their manga is going to be canceled. Uh, it, it's difficult to tell how much of this was like original intent and how much of it is like, oh, God, I've got to wrap this up before Chapter 20. All right. Uh, and we've got a couple one-shots in this one. I, I, I want to leave these as brief as possible, mostly just because we have so much manga to work through. We'll just – if you have any like – quick thoughts about these i think these are good if you if there's like really something you want to explore go ahead but um i mean yeah there's just like 50 pages so uh we're gonna start off with yugen's all girls all ghouls classroom which was i guess it was i wonder if that's supposed to be a pun uh was in may uh, 2020 it's by the food wars duo Yudo tsukuda and shun seiki uh it is about um well, I guess it's not really about the teacher. It's about Fabian Girls Academy, uh, told from the perspective of Mishiro Sato, a new teacher there. She's assigned to escort Dr. Yugen Tojimbo uh, to assist in the exorcism of uh, one of the students. Uh, also, he's trying to find a wife, and age is only a number. Uh, go. Uh, he's kidding on kids. It's funny. It's a joke. Okay. Fun fact. Authority figures uh, abusing their power in order to hit on underage underage girls. That's not funny. That's a thing that happens in the real world that's really disgusting and sink and symptomatic of broader cultural problems. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like the Food Wars guys' character designs well enough, even though they're really same face. But, like, yeah, there, there's just no getting over the fundamental squickiness of this premise. I did want to say, like, the main character is just Edina Nakari, and the, the dude is her dad. Uh, oh, God, I can't remember what his name is. The bad guy from Food Wars feels like a pilot for an eventual serialization yeah i mean they ended with like oh and the whole class is haunted so he's got to expel like you know exercise 30 students i'm like okay are they going to serialize this hope not (laughs) all right we good 
Yep. All right. Good. Now uh, for Chucky's favorite manga, uh, Ayashiki Triangle, uh, started in June 2020. Uh, it's by Kentaro Yabuki, the author of Black Cat and uh, Two Love Rue. Uh, this one is not available on the Shonen Jump app, which <laughs> we'll probably discuss why a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's about uh, Matsuri and Susu, uh, who bonded as children over their ability to see Ayashiki but grew apart when Matsuri became an exorcist and discovered Susu as a spirit medium who gives off energy that Ayashiki really want to eat. Uh, so he was trying to protect her. Uh, eventually, she's attacked by a powerful Aishiki named Shiragane. Masuri attempts to save her by binding the spirit, uh, but the spirit is pretty sure that once he's defeated, they're going to have a romantic scene and doesn't like that, so he gender swaps Matsuri, turning him into a girl, uh, and it's a gender swap comedy. <laughs> Boobs. Am I right? <laughs> uh... <laughs> This is this is unfortunately my pit of shame, which is uh, anything that has to do with gender bending, um, like magical transformation is just automatically on my A-list. Um, but I still cannot stand this series overall because it's just constant fan service, constantly, constantly, constantly. The thing is that it's a gender bender story and in these in somewhere like Jump, I don't expect it to be taken particularly um, with any kind of finesse. Um, so it's par for the course. And I'm not impressed, nor am I really happy. <laughs> not impressed, not happy. Yeah, um, so I, I'm going I'm to make a confession. I've not read or seen To Love Rue. Uh, chalker, I know. Um, but uh, I was expecting Horny. Because, you know, Black Cat to Liveroo guy, that's obvious. But I was not expecting lame, thuddingly lame in every regard. Like, the fa the fan service is the usual, the typical, like, girl just exists and there's an upskirt shot or a shot of her cleavage, right? You know, very yeah. standard, not all that interesting and kind of invasive. Um, the, uh, the character dynamics are the most boring stuff in the world not much happens uh and again oh also also there are two kinds of manga we read there's gag manga and there's exorcist esper manga this and yokai stuff too this happens to be the latter and i will say if i i do not know if i can ever read an exorcist manga again after all we read for this podcast so that's all i'll say yeah i don't know so. what is going on at jump like they are <laughs> leaning so hard into yokai and Demon Slayer blows up the end of 2019 and 2020. It's just all all yokai defeating manga. I think they're just trying to have lightning strike again. It's it's your fault, Tanjiro. And once I just want to say, as a trans person, once again, like I I never know how to feel about these kinds of stories because it's like this is literally the stuff I want with all my heart, and it's just sort of freely given to people when they don't want it, and I never know how to feel about it. So yeah. Anywho. Yeah, like, also, when I read these stories and everyone's like, I'm stuck as a girl! Oh no! And I'm like, have you ever heard of HRT? Yeah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Alright, uh, so I guess that's uh, my indication to move on to the next one. Uh, out of all the gag manga, this was actually my favorite. I'm going to lead with that one. It's uh, Magachan God of Destruction, started in June. It's by uh, Kei Kamiki. Uh, who I have no info on. This might be their debut. Uh, it's about Ruru Miyanagi, uh, who is digging for a, for clams on a beach when she uncovers a holy gem that was acting as a vessel for the god of destruction, Magu Menueku, I think. 
who's been sealed for 600 years. Uh, she breaks it. He is released. She names him Magu-chan. Uh, they live together, and it's very cute. And he wants to destroy the world. It's like Invader Zim and Dragon Maid. Yeah, it's like if Invader Zim had an actual heart and not just overriding cynicism, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I this manga is great. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's what I, a lot of manga and jump aren't, which is just pleasant. Like mm-hmm. it's just really pleasant and sweet. Like, and the jokes are. Of a cut of a similar cloth, but the jokes also happen to be a thing a lot of the gag manga we're talking about aren't really, really funny a lot of the time. And I will say I was not sold on it initially. It took maybe 10 chapters in for it to really click for me. Yeah. But once it did, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I really like it. And I might have teared up at the chapter about the dog. So It's very heartwarming, and I really like it. I've grown to like all the characters. Everyone's kind of... Everyone's just goofy. Yeah. And it's it's fun to tune in each week. Also, I'm reading uh, Magu-chan's voice in like a Wakamoto voice. Aww. So if if they do make a uh, anime of this, I really hope they get that kind of voice for Magu. Um, they have to. I could I could only read it, or I could only hear it in Invader Sim. That's all I could. <laughs> that was just what was in my head oh, every oh time. Magu talks. Yeah. I, I just, oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah. Him saying him saying lines about foolish supplicants in the the, the Richard, Richard Horvitz voice or whatever. Yeah, God. Okay. Yeah, that was that was all that was in my brain the whole time. I feel like it's Invader Zim, except like uh, it's maybe about Invader Zim learning about like I don't know that love is Human important emotion. and you don't need to destroy the world if you got a family or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, and all the supporting cast is great too. Um, yeah. Even the character. Like, uh, which again is not is kind of a dicey prospect for me. Um, what's the name of the guy character who has a crush on Ruru? John Face. Yeah, that kind of character has a tendency for me to be a little, but also like his crush is just so go nowhere and kind of sad that it's, it's just you know it feels it feels a little more authentic and a little a little more like it could be played. Uh, without being creepy than it often does so yeah, yeah. it's more about him getting owned yeah basically so yeah cool yeah yeah i guess no complaints about that one and it seems like all of us sort of felt pretty good about it actually yeah cool all right the next one uh i'll summarize this as best i can hardboiled cop and dolphin uh started in june 2020 it's by ryuhei tamura who was the author of Bezelbub. so uh what comes next should maybe not surprise you it's about Boyle Samejima, who's a renegade to- cop in Tokyo, which doesn't like renegade cops, so they send him off to the remote island of Ogasawara, uh, yeah, which population is about 1,800. Uh, there he has uh, a new partner who is a actual real-life dolphin named Orpheus, uh, who, along with the local precinct, protect a girl named Chaco, who was some sort of like medium for this really weird cult uh, who is obsessed with humanity returning to the sea and who might be like have god powers via Suzumiya Haruhi. Also fish around the island keep spontaneously evolving into humans and can participate in shonen battles, I guess. And there's a conspiracy. It's really, really weird. I'm gonna go half seas. I thought some of it was really funny and mm-hmm. other parts were just skin crawlingly awful. So, you know. Oh, I will say, I will say the first chapter starts off with a lot of dirty hairy stuff and specifically there's a scene where uh uh, a bunch of people are recording cops on their cell phones and it's framed as a bad thing. And this chapter came out in June. I don't need to explain why that's a little, at least from an American perspective, a little freaky, uh, yeah. you know, a little freaky because it's, and, and uh, again, literally like then 
both guns shoot and again japanese japanese police are a different system than american police but also it's not fun to see a bunch of police shoot off their guns and talk about you know an officer sometimes needs to pull their gun in the line of duty you know it's like Mm -hmm. all right i'm not i'm not fond of this i'm not fond of this right now in this in this moment or in any moment really so yeah and just speaking as somebody more familiar with the japanese police um you know the japanese police are far more insidious in terms of police brutality in that everyone trusts them if you're part of the you know hegemonic japanese majority um they are still cops in japan uh they are still harassing minorities they are you know they have a conviction rate of 99% in japan mainly because they can force confessions out of people if there's no one uh no culprit at hand to actually pin the blame on you know japan has its own problems too there's better at hiding it yeah, yeah exactly i will say most of that is mercifully ditched by the end of the first chapter so uh but like it's still there it's still there so yeah yeah i i, I must admit that in the first chapter i was about ready to just go like screw this when it introduces like the first female character and she raises her arm to wave and like her the chest of her shirt just busts open it's brought back in a really creepy joke about like uh, a chapter where a bunch of teenagers want to touch her breasts later on. Yeah, uh, th- yeah. these are the that I mentioned skin crawling, skin crawlingly awful. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but also like the manga's okay. Also, the generic shown and stuff doesn't work for me at all. The I don't care about the cult. I don't care about the like the the politics of the various underwater races who occasionally pop up to the surface. I don't care about any of that. However, I will say um, the manga is really good at absurdism. There, the recent, the most recent chapter I read, uh, not the most recent chapter, but the most recent chapter I read is the one where, um, oh, what's the name of the girl again? The little girl, uh, Choco. Choco. Something, she lies about breaking a mug, and since her power, <laughs> oh yeah, oh god, <laughs> since her power is literally to like make things happen as to her wishes, she literally lies about saying, oh yeah, it was a giant monster saying what's up, and then it literally spawns a giant monster who just says what's up, who breaks yeah. all the mugs. <laughs> Crushing you at this table is gonna feel awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. In moments like that, it's genuinely funny, you know. And I I like like most of the character dynamics too. Frankly, Mm -hmm. Um, they're they're little padded points, but like I like uh, Orpheus' relationship with his surrogate daughter or whatever, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I like, and again, I I like that it's sort of an overprotective parent in a way that's not really all that creepy, you know. Um, Which is a hard thing to do. Uh, but yeah, no, it's decidedly mixed is how I'm skewing on this for sure. So yeah, if it didn't have a lot of that bad accessory stuff, it it is almost like like the two and a half men version of Spy X Family with the dynamic around uh, Samajima and Orpheus taking yeah, care of Chaka. That's, a little bit. Yeah. That's funny because I classified it in my notes two and a half men, but it's more like a man and a dolphin and a toddler. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. If you want to get super literal, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I do think uh, – uh, oh, you did make it to the, the part with the, the girl going to the sea, right? With the yes, dolphins. I did. See? Yeah, I thought that was yeah. super interesting and, like, kind of showed me a lot of why people liked Beezlebub, which I thought just looked so bizarre. I couldn't imagine how it was also taken seriously as a shonen manga. But I kind of see how the author can balance, like, these serious plot lines with these really absurdist elements after reading that chapter. I, I, I thought that chapter was evocative in one of the more bit, bits I was more interested in of the main mm-hmm. serious plotline stuff for sure. So, yeah. yeah. 
I do think it leads off of the the creepy stuff with the female characters too, like almost intentionally. Like remember the scene where there's the I can't remember what her name was. She's like the magical girl, and they wants to take the guy back to the oh, ocean with right. her. And yeah, she's yeah, teaching yeah. him how to swim. So she's like, first you take off all your clothes, and of course you think it's going to be her flashing everybody, but then she just turns into a weird looking fish with a girl face. Yeah. Uh, so it it like it almost sets you up for that kind of stuff, and then. Uh, defies your expectations later on just by being absurd yeah yeah so, yeah so i i overall i i'm pretty interested in this one actually almost like yeah. i don't want to be but i think it, it pivots well and uh uh a lot of its more problematic elements have not been so prominent in the last few chapters for me yeah. cautious recommendation is what i would say yeah, yeah so okay. no, I, I'm, I'm having fun i'm reading it yep okay. me too good so we all like it and chaco is great oh absolutely Oh, precious child. Okay, so the next one is Me and Roboco, which came out in July. Uh, It's by Shuhei Miyazaki, who has previously only authored Oyakusoku no Neverland, which is a parody of The Promised Neverland. Uh, It takes place in the year 20XX. Uh, Ultra-capable AI-powered robotic maids called Order Maids have become ubiquitous. Uh, Bondo Tyra, a 10-year-old, is jealous of his friend's top-of-the-line Order Maid Mako and convinces his mom to buy one for the family. Uh, but the one that arrives is not a cute anime girl. Uh, it's Roboco, who is large and muscular uh, and can't do any made stuff. And that's that's the uh, that's the setup. Is this ready? Is this Ready Player One, but a manga? Uh, I was hoping you'd. <laughs> may may yeah. I read some quotes? May I read some quotes to you, real quick? <laughs> yeah, sure. Wow, prepare. May I read some quotes to you? Okay, please. So the setup for this bit is main child is thought to be up to some hanky panky with Robico with uh, by the mom, which oh isn't that hilarious? Eleven year old boys being up to sexual shit, hilarious. Okay, um, she bursts in the door and says, "Is this two love rue? Wait, don't tell me it's two love rue darkness." And then she says, "Elementary school students shouldn't read any further than Ayakashi Triangle." <laughs> yeah, it's literally just the joke is they make a reference to a Shonen Jump manga. I, I did not get to the chapter where they go to the Shonen Jump offices. I've heard about this chapter, though. Did y'all get there? Or uh... No, I got to chapter 10 and quit out. Let me also say that they literally have a joke where they're like, say, uh, where Roboco's sister shows up and says, no more parodies. Like, you have to be a maid. No more parodies. And Roboco literally just shouts, but parodies is what makes this manga keep going. (laughs) At least they know. (laughs) At least they know. Uh, Oh, also, there was a Karen joke. Yeah, wasn't the Karen joke funny? Oh, God, there was a Karen joke. Mm. Yeah. Are you a Karen? (laughs) Are you a Karen? Oh, God. Like, there's, there's some absurdest moments that i like and it gets a little bit heartwarming at times but this is so much and if i'm not sure if you like are aware of doraemon which is like a time-honored classic of japanese children's manga and anime okay like this is basically a riff like conceptually of doraemon entirely with more riffs so the manga that is all references is itself a reference. Only the most original ideas make it to Shonen Jump. So basically, uh, yeah, it's Japanese Ready Player One. Seems like nobody really enjoyed it. Uh, and it has um, problematic no, elements. This was painful, yeah. Uh, I, I don't even want to get into like how Robico's presentation is handled or anything. Mm-hmm. Or being a buff, like, oh, yeah. being a buff robot lady and stuff. 
Although I will say, uh, Nick Dupree called this the Peter Griffin Maidbot manga, and I don't think there's a more apt description than that. Oh, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, so next up, uh, Spirit Photographer Saburo Kono, premiered in August. It's a one-shot by, uh, I can't remember how you say that, Caillou, Caillou Shirai, and Posuka Demisu, the Promised Neverland duo. Ever since a woman committed suicide by jumping off its balcony, no one moves into the apartment next to Soda's. Uh, and none of them stay for more than three days. A creepy spirit photographer named Saburo Kono shows up in the unit and demands Soda system in taking a photo of the spirit haunting it to exercise it. I think this one is just all ghouls classroom except good and creepy in a way where it's supposed to be creepy and not creepy because it's about a pedophile. It has the things I really loved from The Promised Neverland, which it takes a premise which could easily be droll and emotionless and abuse it with so much heart and compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and... From a personal perspective, I cried really hard reading this manga. Um, you should probably put a trigger warning on this episode for what I'm about to talk about. But like, I've battled suicidal ideation basically all my life, and my partner mm. has also. Um, so to see a story about um, to see the end of the manga where the value of living, even in spite of how sad you are how depressed you are how much everything hurts the value of continuing on and it really hit me hard right now and in a way that i'm not in a way that i wasn't expecting in a way that really just connected with me deeply i think so yeah yeah it, i i was very shocked at what it was able to pack into what is it like the 50 pages for one yeah. shot like if this becomes a full serialization, I'd I'd be like, oh my god, yes, you know, like absolutely. Yeah, so. give give me more stories of uh, Kono. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. that's, that's such a fun character, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's weird that uh, like this really creepy, uh, like surreal, like maybe like demon character uh, was able to <laughs> like springboard the story into like this kind of really heartfelt and touching ending. I am worried yeah. that if it like turned into like a Kino's journey esque series of exorcisms uh, that it might, I mean, obviously not all of them are going to land like this one. So that's like the yep. possible pitfall, but just mm-hmm. as like a example of what can be done with the format. I think this was really good. Yeah, no, the, easily the best watch I'll be read for sure. So mm-hmm. I'll agree. Uh, anything to add Shiaki? Nope. Uh, I'm all right there. Okay. I guess then <laughs> we'll have to go to burn the witch uh, by uh, tight Kuvo. Uh, it's about reverse London, the London under London, where wizards like Noel and Ninny are experts at dealing with magical beasts called dragons, which have uh, been causing trouble for residents of both Londons for centuries. I think they're responsible for something like 70% are related to involved in 70% of all deaths in London, which is pretty crazy. There's also a guy named Balgo. God, Balgo sucks. So I recently read and reviewed the uh, Ryugo Narita um, light novel uh, continuation of Bleach's final arc. That was everything I like about Bleach. This is admittedly a better and more successful version, but it's still a version of everything I do not like about Bleach. Mostly Tite Kubo's world building, because the way it works is he just piles on details, almost seeming like he's making it up as it goes along, just piling on details and details of details of stuff that's unrelated to story, stuff that's unrelated to characters. It's just exposition about the world. And again, doesn't even do a particularly good job making it consistent or making the characters adhere to the rules of the world. Like, again, they mention so often how, like, uh, cavorting with dragons is a crime punishable by execution in most cases. But, like, 
that's not the case for almost any character we see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, again, the final arc is kind of about Balgo trying to be... Uh, the, the miniseries, rather. The miniseries is about, like, Balgo's attempt to be executed by the higher-ups. But at the same time, like, he comes out fine because of the Deus Ex Machina stuff. And then the idol lady, who, by the way, is a very nice sta- uh, is a very nice stereotype of a predatory lesbian, for the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's nice. Thank you, mm-hmm. She becomes dragonclad, too, and basically ends up in the same place Balgo is. And it's just... It's fine. It's fine. There's a lot of good parts. The monster designs are really good. I like Noel and Ninny well enough. They're fine characters, I guess. It's just... Again, I'm not a fan of Titekuba's world-building and the way he layers stories, and this is just kind of why I bounced off of it, ultimately. Yeah. I think I would be a lot more interested if both Noel and Ninny didn't have a sexual predator attached to them. Oh, Jesus. Mm. Yeah, the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, no. and especially when it's revealed that Noel actually likes Balgo, uh, who is a complete fucking creep. Yeah, no. <sighs> Literally spends the first chapter screaming about how Noel should show him her knickers or whatever, yeah. right? You know, like, yeah, no, it's not good. They they mercifully seem to lose that in the miniseries, but also it's just it's the kind of foundation you can't really ignore, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Any uh, thoughts, Shucky? Uh, I have never read Bleach. I have no interest in Tight Kubo. Uh, and I just watched the mini series, uh, the mini OVA anime, and I thought, okay, that's a thing. And I read it, and I'm like, okay, Balgo sucks, and okay. that's it. So you got the full Bye. experience. Yeah. Okay. So we'll move on to Phantom Seer, which premiered in August. It's by uh, the writer is Togo Goto, and the artist is Kento Matsura, uh, who we discussed on the last cast as the artist of Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Uh, the two have previously released a number of one-shots together in Jump Giga since 2017. Uh, and I guess this is where Kentaro, or Kento Matsura fell after um, Tokyo Shinobi Squad was mercifully canceled. Um, it's about Abitsu Riku, who uh, always wants to help other people and has the power to kind of detect danger. Uh, one day she's asked to speak in private uh, by uh, the strange student Katanagi Yori, uh, who's believed by her classmates to be a psychic. He warns her that she's haunted. Uh, although he doesn't want to get involved, uh, his older sister on the phone orders him to help her. Uh, during the exorcism, she learns that her power uh, is actually attracting demons, and her ability to sense danger is just when they're about to attack her. Therefore, she's kind of causing the danger that she's been sensing this whole time. Uh, and that's how the two sort of become attached in the future as an exorcist duo, even though Yori really doesn't want to be an exorcist. Uh, what do people think of this one? Uh, I actually like it. I actually like it primarily because of the two main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, I think. Um, let me see. So yeah, uh, Betsu is I Betsu is the mean female character, and Iori is the main male character. I I think like they both have really strong internal characterization. Like I Betsu is sort of this. Um, how do you put it? Like sort of this neurotic, uh, constantly down on herself person who wants to help people but is oftentimes finds her own sort of like self-hatred getting in the way of that and meanwhile iori is the complete inverse in that he just wants to leave the 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 life the life of an exorcist behind and uh you know just be a normal person and again aside from that like their dynamic is sort of antagonistic but in kind of a fun way and it's really it's refreshingly platonic too there's Almost no creepy sexual shit, apart from, like, one joke about a hot spring that even then isn't played the worst, from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I... It's it's fairly standard shonen in a lot of key ways, but I, I like the characters, and I specifically like the way they're developing them, too. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, it's really hard to write a shitty dude as the main character just because there's so many of them and so many of them actually just suck. Uh, they're not good. Uh, and I feel like yeah. this series is walking the tightrope pretty well. Uh, I like Ibetsu yeah. a lot, and I feel like the series right now is trying to power her up so that she can participate in the battles uh, with the guys. Yep. I also think yep. the introduction of the... Uh, yeah, very much. I can't remember his name, the Megane guy. I like him a lot. I think he's a really good addition to the cast. Yep. So... I I've, I'm more encouraged the more I read from this manga. Also, the elder sister kicks ass. Oh, absolutely, she's awesome. I want her to step <laughs> on me. Also, the way she holds the phone by balancing it on her finger is very good. It's fucking it's so stupid. It reminds oh. me of watching uh, Uma Musume, where they have the long phones for the ears that are on top of their head. Right. This is where they like awesome. defamiliarized phones. I'm I'm happy the Tokyo Shinobi Squad artist is on a good series actually because his art in this is really really good like really yeah. really good yeah you know yeah Solid. I think I tweeted about that yeah. like it's just like uh, they've been unleashed <laughs> like because some of the shit they draw is like really good like the girl with the mirror the broken mirror in her mouth and stuff yeah. it's like genuinely creepy shit mm-hmm. yeah so I I like this yeah, series it's really good high hopes uh, that's Chucky I am a little worried about the girl um because her training arc feels a little more i don't know like not as offensive so i might i might see her more as a supportive character even in the battlefield yeah that's my concern too yeah same but they're doing a a lot more than what i what i started off with this uh series Mm -hmm. so hoping for for more and best and the best so optimistic yeah Okay. Yeah, yeah. Definitely some some like areas of concern, uh, but uh, so far, again, it's walked the tightrope, and I, I am willing to feel optimistic about its future. I think is where we've all landed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, so good. Uh, next one is High School Family, <laughs> which started in September. Uh, it's by uh, Ryo Nakama, who previously authored a feudal gag manga, Isobi Isobe Monogatari, in Weekly Shonen Jump, which lasted for four years. Uh, it tells the story of uh, Kotari Itani, who uh, passed the entrance exam to get into high school and is surprised to be joined by his father, mother, little sister, and cat, all of whom passed the same exam without his knowledge to fill their dreams of attending high school. Uh, they end up in the same class, and Kotaro is pretty much just embarrassed the whole time because his entire family is attending his high school. Does anybody have anything to say about this manga? <laughs> Parents, they're embarrassing. Yeah. Also, the main character is kind of a dick. So, you know, like, yeah. uh, I don't know if that improves. I've only, I didn't read terribly far in this, but I don't know if that improves. But the main character, a lot of the jokes are premised on him just being very mean to his family in a way that I, you know, does scan as like authentic to how some not great teenager, teenage boys can act. But also like, it's, it's not a very endearing trait for the protagonist of a comedy manga to have. And it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still kind of funny. The only joke that He's... got me is uh, the f- introduction of the cat and the cat's awful, the intentionally awful <laughs> design. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, very weird art style. Yep. He's very, uh, like, the, the, the kid is definitely the Tsukomi act. You know, he's the straight man. Mm-hmm. So he's he has to be a prickly, you know, asshole to every weird situation that comes up. Mm-hmm. Does that make him a good person? Probably not. Yeah, this this is a series that I'm I had to I I'm reading only because you told me to. <laughs> um, I am I'm going to promptly drop it right. Oh now. yeah, I have no intention <laughs> to ever read another chapter. I mean, I, I don't think it's it, it hasn't done anything awful, but it just it I, I have not laughed once. It was it's kind of a pain to read joke. through. 
It's yeah. one joke. It's just one joke Literally told over and over again. Joke. Yeah. And you said this one. This might go on for four years. Uh, well, sixteen volumes. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> his last manga managed. So who knows? Oh my god. Uh, anyway, our blood oath uh, also started in September. It's by Kazu Kakasu, who I have no information on. This might be their debut. Uh, it's by. Uh, it's about an orphan named Shin who formed a blood oath with uh, Ko Hizuki. Uh, the child of his adoptive vampire parents. Uh, after the the parents were killed by a mysterious white-haired vampire, uh, they're both granted supernatural powers by their bond, which they use to slay supernatural creatures preying on humans while dealing with vampires that spend all their time torturing humans and other vampires. I don't really understand who the bad guys are in this. They seem to be vampires, but they also hate other vampires. I guess I let off a little negatively, but uh, feel free to <laughs> tell me what you think about it. I mean, it's a fair point because it's just not very good. You know, like, I, I don't think this manga is very good at all. Um, it's not mm. particularly offensive in any one way. It's just bog standard and underdeveloped is the way I would describe it. Bog standard and under extremely underdeveloped. And also this has the stink of about to be canceled all over it, frankly. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't, it might run. It might run for years, but who knows? You know, like, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. In the outset, I was a little bit more hopeful for it, but once the you know secret society of vampires who hate humans were in introduced, I just kind of lost interest because it was like, oh, okay, it's it's very typical. Yeah, I think the the, the setup was okay. Uh, it could like I was like maybe this could turn into a good manga, but once they introduced the antagonist who just seemed to like randomly and capriciously fuck with humans and or vampires for no like they have no philosophical reason to do any of that kind of stuff no no motivation to do it really it just seems like the enemies are enemies to be enemies and they do bad stuff to good people so that the main characters will have to do something about it and in that context yeah. they are enemies there's no there's no central conflict for me <laughs> the moment that lost me was uh when they start developing the vampire discrimination sort of aspect of the world mm -hmm. there's a moment where they're telling the story about how a vampire was sort of uh, revealed to the vi to a village, and then the village literally murdered the vampire's family, and the vampire slaughtered the village in turn. And this is followed up by the kid saying, "But why can't vampires and humans all just get along?" <laughs> like, well, love I think Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah, I think solving systemic oppression is a little more complicated than that. But you know, you know, it's a very easy sort of shonen thing to rattle off. So mm -hmm. yeah, so. And unimpressed seems to be the general consensus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next on the list is Build King, which premiered in November 2020, which we're not going to be reviewing. It's by Mitsuoshi Shimabokuro, who is the author of Toriko, who is also uh, convicted for violating child prostitution laws. So um, I think we're all happy with just never reading this one ever. Um, Agreed. Just wanted to sure put out are. that warning for anybody who is interested in Build King, uh, but you know doesn't want to read anything by... Uh, somebody who would do something like that. Then there's Sakamoto Days, starting November 2020. There's only one chapter out. Uh, uh, some early problematic elements, but maybe if we do another cast, we'll talk about that one. All right, and the next stuff uh, is not in Weekly Shonen Jump technically, but they're on the app, so we thought we'd discuss it as well. Uh, first is Moriarty the Patriot, uh, which started in August in Jump Square. I think there's more out, but it's just a matter of translation. Uh, it's by Ryosuke Takeuchi, who previously wrote uh, All You Need Is Kill and was an assistant under Yusuke Murata and, and the author of Madaka Box, Akira Akatsuki. Uh, the artist is Hikaru Miyoshi, who previously was an assistant under uh, Hiromu Arakawa, who 
has made a ton of good manga like Full Metal Alchemist and Silver Spoon. We, I'm not going to summarize this one because it's the anime's out. Uh, we've done a couple articles on this, written by Chiaki. So, uh, can you just like summarize anything that might be different with the manga than the anime? All I'll say is that um, the three chapters that are out are entire arcs mm -hmm. of stories, and also the anime is taking a lot of liberties from the manga. And I think the manga is a lot more solid of a story than the anime. I haven't read past chapter three, and if it the same vein as what uh, chapter uh, or the anime is going towards. I am not totally impressed, but um, it'll. I, I haven't. I've yet to read uh, volume two, and that will make or break the manga, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. ether rich. The it's ether rich. The manga so far, it's pretty good. So yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess the main concern just comes up, like the anime cuts off uh, some pretty important details. Uh, which you can read in Chiaki's stuff, and maybe the later manga stuff, uh, based on what happens in the anime, becomes a little problematic. So I've been I've been cross promoting like this is the jump cast. Listen to uh, the mid season check in. Check out the uh, end of season podcast where I will rip into Moriarty. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, stay tuned for the end of season podcast where we'll have everything <laughs> to say about it. Yeah, uh, consume all of our our articles and podcasts, please. Okay, so next is the Death Note special, which was in February. I'm not sure if this is actually out when we did our last podcast, but uh, we'll just go over it very briefly. Uh, it was a one-shot in Monthly Jump Square uh, by the Death Note duo uh, Tsugumi Oba and Takeshi Obata. I know what I'm doing. It's about Ryuk getting bored again, uh, traveling to the human world, giving the Death Note to a kid genius named Minoru Tanaka, who surprises Ryuk by asking him to return in two years. When he returned, Minoru acts his plan to use the Death Note to make fat sacks of cash. I like it, but I like Death Note. Uh, Death Note was the best thing these two authors ever wrote. This also mm -hmm. doesn't have the misogyny of the massive misogyny of Death Note or uh, the author's later works by virtue of not featuring many female characters. <laughs> I was know. gonna say, because no women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, to be fair, there are very few characters. It's like the Ryuk, Minoru, and Donald Trump are the three main characters. In the manga. <laughs> yeah, 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 that happens. That happens. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was a smart imagining of a post-Kira world. Yeah, it was just kind of like it was almost like one of those allegorical tales about like I don't know, maybe trying to get rich quick or something. It almost seemed to have like maybe a moral to the story. I'm not sure what the moral is, but uh, it was very concise. Also, it's really funny. It's really funny, too. Yeah, I think. the ending so, is a little yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, let's move on to Kaiju number eight, which is in uh, Jump Plus, and as I understand it, uh, has become extremely popular very quickly. Uh, the mangaka is uh, Naoya Matsumoto, former assistant to Toshiaki Washiro, the author of Siren, uh, and they were was actually assistant during the time that Yuki Tabata, the author of Black Clover, was an assistant. Uh, as well hmm. so maybe they know each other it's about kafka abino and uh, mina ashiro who made a promise to his children they would both join a japanese defense force to exterminate kaiju and protect their homes Hibino failed and became a member of the kaiju cleanup crew uh, he gets injured on the job and some sort of weird wasp-like monster flies down his throat and turns him into a kaiju monster uh, although he retains his humanity after this he decides to try to join the third division once again with his new friend uh, and they both get in and become kaiju hunters except he's also a kaiju and nobody knows that's i'm having fun i'm having fun Same. it's good it's good um, it's it's the most conventional shonen of what we read uh but it's it's good and the characters are fun so yeah, yeah and the art's great so mm -hmm. 
I think it's also worth mentioning the main character is 32 years old. Oh, it's so good. The oh, potential dude. love interest is I, I I actually have a problem with this because they were they made a childhood friends and like I think they were both similar sizes when they did that, right? So you figure they'd be around the same age. Uh but she's like I think twenty seven or twenty eight. So there's a five year difference between the two of them. Uh I missed that. Which feels like just like an intentional effort to age her down. Um yeah. but also uh they haven't made any jokes about her you know, her life being over because she's over 25 or her youthful beauty having faded because she's nearly 30 uh, or anything like that. So I, I think it's treated Mina pretty well. Uh, she's also kind of like, uh, I guess it'll kind of depend on how uh, proactive she is in the story. Uh, will be will like determine my ultimate opinion on her as a character since she's really been talked up as like the best kaiju killer ever uh, it's a thing like mikasa where they spend a lot of time talking about how she's superhumanly powerful and then she never accomplishes a single thing over the course of the entire story i will uh rescind my well i, I don't know I, the, the manga is still gone on its own but that'll be definitely like a pain point for me because i hate it when they do that shit but so far it seems like they're doing pretty good with all of their characters yeah i really hope um you know gets to open up as a character very soon mm -hmm. like i want i want more interaction with her because right now what we have is just her standing in the back looking very authoritative um mm -hmm. and and occasionally smiling like that's that's about it i'm wondering where it's gonna go with the mushroom head guy the second in command just so that because it, depending on how he shakes out um hebe knows either gonna get closer to mina or gonna get shunted down mm -hmm. so yeah okay. yeah it's yeah. i i don't have much to say about it because it's so conventional in so many of its details but again it's fun i love the premise uh and it's got a really good heart underneath it all so yeah so conventional and enjoyable yep everybody loves the uh the the trash kaiju dad cool <laughs> next is ghost reaper girl which premiered in july on jump plus the mangaka is Akihisa Ikeda, who previously authored Rosario uh, plus Vampire. I don't know if you say the plus. It might just be Rosario Vampire. It's probably just Rosario Vampire. It's about 28-year-old aspiring starlet Chloe Love, who's attempting to land her big break in an acting role, but keeps getting attacked by ghosts because of her quote-unquote pure energy. Uh, she's caught in an alley and rescued by a man dressed all in leather, uh, except he doesn't have a shirt on, uh, wielding handcuffs. He is a ghost reaper from the realm of Hades, and... Uh, Self-introduced gentleman lolicon, Kai. Uh, is it Kai Iad? I'm honestly gonna tell you, I forgot his name. His name's Kai. Because he yeah. does not. Yeah, does not. Kai, I'm me. confident about. We'll say Kai. Uh, turns out there was a huge show breaking the underworld, and Chloe is a perfect spirit medium, just like Aishi Shiki Triangle. So all the you know spirits want to eat her and shit. Uh, all hell's escapes want to possess her. Uh, to protect herself, she's forced to form a contract with Kai and uh, quote unquote let him inside her, uh, turning her into Ghost Reaper Girl. The, by this is when I, I I don't know why I'm even bringing this up. By the author's request, it reads left to right, which just absolutely confused the shit out of me. Because uh, you still have to on the map on the the app, you still have to swipe in the same direction. Um, but you're reading left to right, even though you're turning the page, it's the opposite direction. It sucks. Um, I don't know why the author requested this, uh, but that's how it is. Uh, what do people think of the actual manga? <laughs> uh, the first chapter is absolutely intolerable for the most part. Um... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's not only is there the whole him introducing himself as a lolicon. There's also the uh the way possession is framed is very much framed as uh sort of a kind of an allegory for sexual assault, frankly. Um, in a way that is very disquieting. Uh, and mm -hmm. again, it also 
it, it potentially it tries somewhat to do the thing where it's an allegory for how women are mistreated in the in entertainment industry and a lot of the characters frustrations are very resonant the main characters frustrations are very resonant in that way but at the same time like it's very much trying to have its cake and eat it too with that stuff and i found yeah. it really uncomfortable yeah the first chapter is bad <laughs> but you know it, it grows on you because the uh the lolicon immediately gets shafted into yep. a you know minor role um and they introduce a cat boy and then she becomes a cat girl and <laughs> i'm sorry but like that's just that's just who i am and i i love this series <laughs> uh, no it's it's good it's 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 not i i don't think it's good per se but i i did enjoy end up enjoying it in the end more than i expected to uh, they introduced the reanimator, basically Frank West the reanimator from uh, in the most recent chapters, and that's been fun too, you know. Um, uh, yeah, Shoggoth is also pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, oh, I will say I'm not Shoggoth. Uh, remind me who Shoggoth is again? Is that the uh... Uh, blade blade arms? Blade oh, arms. the girl, okay, blade right. arm girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that potentially plays into some stereotypes about bisexual people in terms of them being ultra libidinous all the time and hitting on absolutely everyone being sexually invasive to absolutely everyone but it's mostly that's not too much of that character so i don't know so oh yeah. is this the the leader of the ghost reapers yeah, or this whatever is the, yeah shugoth is yeah. the sort of yeah yeah like corpse yeah. lady but no this is the leader of the ghost reaper brigade or whatever yeah uh so yeah the nurse yeah, yeah. yeah. I did find it weird how she's just. Uh, uh, yeah, they 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 start her off as pretty predatory, but after that, she's just like she did seem to calm down to the point where she's just like, "This is what I'm into right now. Do you want to?" And I'm DTF if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's weird. It it seems to start out with these noxious stereotypes and then calm it down to something a little bit more manageable. You know? Yeah. Like I think that yeah. was the. I mean, it, uh, chapter ones are sort of notorious, and episode ones of like having sexual assault somewhere in there to like get the fans in, which really sucks. And then after that, a lot of series I've seen have calmed down. Uh, this has happened a lot, and I really don't like it. Um, but I do think that this manga really kind of pulls back on a lot of its problematic elements and actually becomes pretty fun. And essentially, it becomes about Chloe having kind of like a reverse harem of boys who she can wear as costumes yes. to get superpowers. Yes, absolutely. That's the especially fun part of it. That's the especially fun part of it. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it kind of becomes like kind of a really fun romp, and, and uh, which I was not expecting after the first chapter. I just have brain worms, and I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, rest assured, Chiaki. The rest of us were also having fun reading this. <laughs> Maybe it's not just the brain worms. Um, I also, I, I don't know where I described this, so I want to put it out there. I think, like, the Rosario vampire mangaka was reading old Kota Fujisawa manga. I mean, the main dude is basically dressed just like the exorcist from his manga. I think it's Toko, the one, the girl who has the butterfly tattoo on her stomach. It's like the himbo version of that girl. So, uh, it's like, uh, what I'm saying is, it's a really crazy kind of 90s throwback. So, uh, proceed with caution, but, uh, all of us had a fun time. All right. And now next is Blue Flag, which was a big surprise for me. Um, it's actually, I guess it's finished. Uh, it ran from February to April, or February 2017 to April 2020 in Jump Plus. It's by Kaito, who previously authored uh, Cross Manage and Buddy Strike, which were both in Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, it's about Taichi, an awkward high schooler in his final year that somehow gets mixed up in his classmate Kusei's attempts to overcome her awkwardness to ask out the school's idol Toma. Taichi begins to scheme ways to get them all together which uh, Kuza's friend Itachi starts showing up in, and things get extremely romantically uh, square-like. It's not a love triangle, I guess. It's a big square. Um, but it is 
extremely good, I think. And I'd like to hear your thoughts. Oh, uh, yeah. I this is this is almost certainly the best thing I read for the record. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't think I was going to finish it. I read basically all the stuff that's on the app, which is 26 chapters, I think four volumes last night. I don't even know where to start. Uh, it's I think I think the main problem with it is I don't think it's as emotionally insightful as it thinks it is, but it is very emotionally insightful very very emotionally insightful and intensely empathetic to all its characters like characters are constantly having nuanced discussions about romantic uh, relationships and romantic attraction and uh really like nuanced complicated versions of what it means to truly love someone versus what it means to just be affectionate towards someone you know mm -hmm. like that i just found i don't know really compelling and um there's also the thing we're bringing up this is a manga that uh, is about um, two of the two of the uh, two of the people in the love quadrangle are queer and specifically uh, lusting after people of the same gender. Um, yeah. And I've heard some iffy things about how this is navigated in the later chapters. And I also do think way more effort is spent on depicting Kuze and Tai Chi's romantic developments than on um... Tomo and Hitachi. Yeah, yeah, Tomo and Hitachi. Yeah, I do think Tomo and Hitachi um and i do find that kind of weird but also at the same time it's making the point that these people's affections are sidelined and are so deeply buried while again uh the straight people's affection are allowed to be detailed in and again i think it's also extremely good at depicting the way the way uh the way cishets for lack of a better word oftentimes um are just completely oblivious to any kind of queer subtext or any kind of like a queer person trying to communicate to you a thing, you know, like about yeah. their sexuality, about their gender identity. It's it's really good at articulating that. I've experienced that so many times in my life. And yeah, I just really, really like this manga. So, yeah. Hard to believe it's shonen. Yeah. Well, it is Jump Plus. <laughs> I, found, I've, I found that Jump Plus series tend to be a little bit more interesting to me overall. Yeah. I mean, some of them run on like a bi-weekly schedule, for instance, which is probably way better on the authors as well, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, I think this is bi-weekly or monthly. It would have had to have been considering the chapter yeah. count and how long it ran. Oh, yeah. No. And also mm -hmm. the art's really good, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't finished Black, uh, Blue Flag. I, I got to the tension. This was like the last series that I was reading and I was I was dying from fatigue at this point. But I, I'm hoping to come back to it and finish it out because... It looks, it, you know, it, I, I just got to like a big twist and I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I, I got to chapter 10 and then I'm like, okay, I have to read one more because of the same thing that you saw. I, I definitely intend to finish this now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, read all 20, I read all 26 chapters last night in like two hours. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this, for whatever reason, like slice of life stuff about relationships and emotional, uh, emotional, inner emotional lives is like my shit. I don't know why. I they're like my candy, and that's a weird thing to be candy, but they're like my candy. So yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really fucking good. I think all the characters are just like perfect, uh, and the way they interact is really good. Uh, there's no like problematic shit that happens. It's very like I don't know. I don't want to say pure, but it. I hear it gets to some iffy takes about queerness in the later chapters, for what it's worth. But like, yeah. Mm. Um, but even that's like more well-intentioned, like uh, well-intentioned ignorance than it is like actively malicious which again is not a distinction that matters that much in my estimation but it is something so yeah well intentioned ignorance from the author you're saying about um 
the author as writing about queer issues. Yes, I believe. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, the author is writing about queer, and this is only hearsay, so I haven't read the later chapters myself. But I know people who are caught up, and they've told me some things that are like, hmm, that's a weird take to make about uh people who people who are homophobic, buddy, or whatever. Right? You know that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So yeah, yeah. I, I can say my my concern for the manga is is pretty general to what happens in this sort of like uh series where you have like a heteronomance and a and a queer romance is that yeah uh, I, I feel like Itachi's kind of I I feel like Taichi and and Kuze are probably going to get together and I'm hoping Itachi doesn't fall into that like it's a specific like, like trope with lesbian characters where it's just like oh so long as I can be near the girl that I like that's all I need yeah. Yeah, the darling in the Frank yeah. thing. Oh yeah, I really don't want I that to be series, her fate. I really hope the series is smarter than that, but it's entirely possible that's where it ends up going. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that that's like, I mean, I haven't, I don't have any evidence for that past just that being what happens most of the time, but uh, that's like my my major concern proceeding forward. Otherwise, like I can say, like the whole manga so far has been an amazing read. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Any any extra notes on that one? Nope. Okay. Nope. Uh, I'd probably go with Rex at this point, but I think we pretty clearly outlined the the good and the bad in this one as opposed to the last one. Also, we're super low on time. Uh, we're past, actually. So uh, I think I'll just close us out unless there's anything any somebody absolutely needs to say. No no plug for Black Clover? Uh, it's still good. What can I say? <laughs> I, I, I just want to say something a little serious. In the wake of uh in the wake of Bill King and in the wake of Nobuhiro Watsuki and the Nate and the wake of what happened with Act Age recently as well, I found it very hard to tolerate a lot of the creepy stuff, uh creepy sex stuff in a lot of this manga in a way I hadn't in the past. And it's made me realize that I think we have not heard the last of people who uh, we have not heard the last of sexual abusers from jump. We have not heard the last of that. And I think this is not just a company wide problem. This is a culture wide problem. So yeah. Seconded. So you're saying your, your goodwill towards Shonen jump is being adversely affected by the people who they allowed to continually publish despite. Yeah. And just the stuff that continually crops up in their manga, you know, like the kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe if they had some female editors, that'd be good. Oh, yeah. yeah, that'll help. <laughs> um, I've I've definitely thought about canceling my um, Jump App subscription uh, following that news mm-hmm. with yeah. uh, uh, Shimabukuro coming back. I was like, why am I paying for this? Yep. I I cannot blame anybody who chooses who decides to go with that decision. I mean, yeah, it it's uh, discouraging. Well, on that negative note, <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess I'll close things out. Sorry, guys. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> if you like what you're here today, uh, we have a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash animefeminist. Uh, just a dollar a month goes a long way to helping us run both in print and in your earbuds. Uh, if you're interested in seeing more from us, you can go to our website at www.animefeminist.com. We're on Facebook at AnaFem, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and on Twitter at AnimeFeminist. Uh, thanks for listening, AnaFem, and we'll catch you next time.